0: Welcome to the first episode of the Uyghur History Project. In this episode, we begin with answering the question, who are the Uyghurs? For many, the first impression that come to mind is that they are a persecuted Muslim minority group in China. Indeed, the Uyghurs are officially one of China's 56 ethnic minority groups, and is recognized as the regional minority, and the titular people of the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region a landlocked region at the northwest of China. In recent years, the Uyghurs have gained international attention for human rights abuses committed against their community. A blistering UN report published last month declares that serious human rights violations have been committed in Xinjiang in the context of the government's application of counterterrorism and counter-extremism strategies. Unsurprisingly, China vehemently denied allegations of abuse, and denounce the report as groundless. On the other hand, human rights activists are indignant that the report refused to call the crisis a genocide, defined as the attempted destruction of a national, ethnical, racial or religious group. The debate on the nature of crisis, whether it is a genocide, political persecution, or civil dispute, begs the question of, who exactly are the Uyghurs? What is their historical origin and change over time? What is their relationship with ancient, modern and contemporary China, Russia and other political entities? The origin, formation and strengthening of the modern Uyghur identity have roots in the geopolitical, social, economic and cultural processes in the historic Kashgaria and Jungaria, which not only span the boundary between China and Russia, but intersect with the history of the Ottoman Empire as well. At the meeting point of these empires, a political space emerged that was structured by the interplay of imperial and religious institutions, tribal communities, and empires. The two regions were renamed Xinjiang in 1884 by the Qing government, meaning New Frontier, after they were conquered by the Manchu Qing dynasty after the Dungan Revolt. Apparently, the word Xinjiang itself is a recent invention, as well as the talk of a Uyghur nation. The ethnonym Uyghur before the 19th century was used loosely and arbitrarily to refer to several Turkic ethnic groups by merchants, travelers, and distant rulers. The most prominent American Orientalist in the study of Central Asia at the time, Owen Lattimore, visited Xinjiang in the 1930s. He described that Turkic inhabitants living in Chinese territory did not define themselves as Uyghurs, but in terms of the oases from which they came. The uniform designation of the Uyghur ethnonym to previously separate groups dates back to the 1923 Special Resolution of the Central Asia Communists, a political sphere administered by the Soviet Union between 1918 and 1991. Then, the Uyghur ethnonym first appears in the Soviet Census in 1926. This adoption marks the beginning of the ideological exploitation of nationality in Xinjiang. The USSR established Uyghur schools and taught the Uyghur language to various ethnic groups that have been newly integrated. Because the Marxist ideology regarded language as the main attribute of nationhood, and an importance vehicle for disseminating the communist ideology. The Soviet influence increased the region's familiarity with nationalism and self-determination, and inspired various revolutionary movements, such as the 1921 Revolutionary Uyghur Union, and Xinjiang pan-Turkic nationalism, which gave rise to the First East Turkestan Republic in 1933, a short-lived breakaway Islamic Republic that was quelled by the United Soviet Chinese troops. It is also noteworthy that the word, Uyghur was not used by this republic, which controlled less than 10% of Xinjiang's territories. Nonetheless, commemoration of the First East Turkestan Republic became an important part of the contemporary Uyghur national movement. While China vehemently rejects its existence and legitimacy. Perhaps, the very expropriation of historical polities as nationalistic symbols highlights the constructedness of the Uyghur national identity, a sweeping classification that many, including the modern Uyghurs, have taken for granted. The Soviets' ethnographic mission in Xinjiang in 1930s 19402s occurred against the backdrop of the, the Warlord era in the Republic of China. In this period, Xinjiang became a theater for political contest between various Chinese warlords, each connected to different local ethnic factions, the Soviet Union and the Kuomintang, the former ruling party of China. After the end of Republican rule, Xinjiang's history was again entangled in the nation building project of Communist China. In the summer of 1949, the Soviets purged the 30 top leaders of the Second East Turkestan Republic. A month later, the People's Liberation Army entered the region and the East Turkestan National Army was merged into the PLA's Fifth Army Corps, leading to the official end of the Second East Turkestan Republic, a few months after Mao's declaration of the founding of the People's Republic of China on 1 October 1949. Since then, the name Xinjiang was changed to Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, and the Uyghur ethnonym became cemented as an ethnic minority group of Communist China. Today, the idea of a Uyghur nation evokes different memories and responses from various people. On one hand, Uyghur nationalists might trace their national heritage to the East Turkestan Republic. Their claim is buttressed by the fact that the majority of Uyghurs speaks the Turkic language and identifies with Turkic cultures and religion. Similar to this perspective, Chinese politicians regard Uyghur nationalism as the two pans pan-Islamism and pan-Turkism which they regard as a threat to stability in Xinjiang. This conception of the Uyghur identity is obviously reductionistic, because it excludes the myriad of historical origins, evolutions, and influences that shape the history of Xinjiang. As a legacy of the Soviet ethnographic mission, the narrow conception of Uyghur nationalism continues to exclude the diversity of people and stories in the indigenous history. Ending with a quote from historian Benedict Anderson it is the magic of nationalism to turn chance into destiny. In our next episode, we will provide a brief chronology of the major events that shaped Xinjiang's relation with China and difficulties in the writing of its history.